Hey guys, welcome to the Reimagined Energy Podcast, a weekly renewable energy podcast featuring interviews with those who are leading the way in sustainability and clean technology. I'm your host, Maria McGowan, and I'm super excited and a little bit nervous to kick things off today. Joining me in today's episode, we're talking to Emma Jarrett of Electric Autonomy Canada. They write original journalism about anything electric vehicles. So we'll be talking about fleet vehicles, EV myths, and also what the job market is looking like for EVs. So let's get started. Thanks for tuning in. I'm here with Emma Jarrett, Executive Editor at Electric Autonomy Canada, who loves to write and talk about anything supply chain, zero emission, and also anything electric that moves. So thanks for joining me today, Emma. Great to have you here. Great. Nice to be here. Thank you. Awesome. So you're with Electric Autonomy. And so tell me a little bit about what your organization is and what your, what your plans are for the future. We're a business-to-business news platform uh, covering zero-emission transportation. So anything from one wheel, theoretically, to a jumbo jet that runs on zero-emission fuel, in quotes. Uh, That can be uh, including battery electric, hydrogen, and we even cover a little bit of alternative fuels for lower carbon emitting purposes. Interesting. So you do a lot of original journalism. All the stories and emails that you write are all All done by you guys. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, Because I'm an early adopter of electric vehicles. And so uh, early on, I remember following electric autonomy and and reading your articles that you're writing and and you're really grasping the, the, the future. And you're also very much doing a great job covering what's happening in Canada. And so, you know, it's really great. So what, so the early adopters, you know, like me, three and a half years, I guess that's, that's early enough, but you know, there was a lot of curiosity. There was a lot of people who were like, oh, wow, you know, look at your car and asking questions and people were passionate and excited. So I'm finding there's a little bit of a change, but I just want to hear it from you. Like what are today's EV owners like? Um, I mean, I would I would argue they're still passionate <laughs> yeah. about uh, about their their choice to go uh, zero emission transportation. Um, but really, the short answer is they they can be anybody. Um, I think several years ago we were seeing um, you know a really specific slice of society not only able to afford um, EVs, but able you know living in an area where they could have access to stock and. Um, you know, had the time to educate themselves. Now I think EVs are becoming more accessible to a wider group of people. Um, we see, you know, tons of models coming out that apply to all different lifestyles and uh, increasingly price points, which is nice to see. Yeah, there's a nice variety now. And, you know, as more and more uh, car companies have a mandate of sorts to to produce more electric vehicles, yeah, the the mandate um, that came through, I mean, first at the provincial levels um, in Quebec and BC, and then um, you know wider across Canada, the federal level are um, they're really 
significant signals to the market, not not only just the business market, but but also to um, you know the general public that this is the direction that we are moving as a country. And I I hope that getting those clear signals in the form of a mandate and and also um, through rebates brings the average consumer a bit more sense of security and comfort about a transition to something new. Um, our human nature is that we don't love new things. We, <laughs> we like to stick with what we know. EVs are new. They're not scary, but they do require a bit of an adjustment and, and you know, having the, that governmental level handholding, I think it's important for everybody. It's definitely. It's a little bit reassuring there as well. You know, one question I'm going to sneak in, though, is about uh, the infrastructure, you know, that's on everyone's minds. You know, they're worried about uh, range anxiety. You know, what if my battery runs out and I'm in the middle of nowhere? I mean, we have to worry. And there's some concerns there with the infrastructure that is coming. It's being built. There are. And I mean, not to cut you off, but I'm a I'm a realistic optimist. Um, I I live in a densely populated area, you know, just had Toronto. I don't have that struggle to access charging infrastructure in my day to day commuting. But that you know that's a point of privilege for me. I'm not going to pretend for a second that you know once you get into very remote areas and you know even even going north of Toronto you start to notice the charging stations are more spread out they are there but you know it, it's they're not as prevalent as gas stations and I agree that infrastructure is coming every you know month that goes by I certainly notice an improvement but I think not having the the same type of visibility that people are familiar with with gas stations being on every corner is going to take you know it's another level of adjustment charging stations are likely not going to be located like gas stations are it's just a different way of integrating them into our existing you know city infrastructure or or rural infrastructure exactly and uh and that's one of the things that often the recharging stations are kind of attached to uh, existing you know um stations as well gas stations but they're often somewhere usually around near a restaurant or somewhere like that because if you're going to be there you're going to be there for a few minutes you know not just you know gas up and go so it's really it's it's great i mean i have no regrets having an electric vehicle and i think i'm dedicated for life for as long as they're around <laughs> but we talked earlier and we shared some thoughts about fleet vehicles you know, where, where companies and organizations are making that investment. Did you want to expand on that a little bit? Uh, fleet vehicles in Canada are a really um, promising area of transition. Uh, definitely, we are seeing a lot more availability of some key types of vehicles from last mile delivery box vans to pickup trucks, which are a, a really important um, fleet vehicle for a lot of, a lot of uh, commercial operators. The equivalency between gas and or combustion rather and uh, electric vehicles is great um, much more than it was even a year ago and probably much more than a lot of fleet operators today imagine it could be that's what we're hearing from um, industry experts who you know study um, the the fleet um, comp like compilation compilation yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
and, uh, you know, and assess which vehicles are, are appropriate to transition or not. Awesome. That's great to hear. So there's a growing demand for uh, entire supply chains to be green. So do you want to expand on that uh, a little bit? So the signals that are being sent, and right now it's heavily emphasized overseas, which I'm thinking particularly in Germany is the one that pops into my mind. Really, I'm becoming very stringent for auto manufacturers, the OEM knowing exactly how much carbon goes into every nut and bolt in the vehicle and, and having that total transparency across your supply chain. They want to know every every carbon emission amount for every piece that goes into the vehicle. So there is a lot of pressure on automakers uh, to lower their emissions wherever they can. So that takes us all the way back when you're talking about a battery electric car to even getting the minerals out of the ground to make the battery because as they move along the value chain, they're accruing you know, a little bit of carbon here and a little bit of carbon there. And then you get to the end. Mm -hmm. And if you're not careful, it can be quite an intensive process actually to um, create that battery. Everyone is aware of this. And, you know, Canada has has really, um, I think, taken some intelligent steps to make sure that our supply chain is quite green and it's getting greener so that we are able to go into the global marketplace and say, you know, sure, you can get your minerals elsewhere in the world, but what we can offer that maybe those other places aren't able to as effectively is a super clean supply chain. And that is a, you know, a very attractive feature for companies, OEMs that are under this pressure to have um, a green supply chain to make sure that the vehicle at the end meets those requirements. All right. So what does OEM stand for? An OEM is an original equipment manufacturer. So any company that is making equipment, basically, in this case, an automaker. Like uh, vehicle manufacturer, like Toyotas or? Ford, Tesla, Hyundai, Toyota. Those are all automakers or OEMs. Gotcha. Okay. That's good to know. I didn't know that. So true or false? Um, EVs can't survive the winter. I'm going to go with false on that one. Yeah. Yes. I will too. (laughs) But so you say your reason and I'll I'll tell you mine. (laughs) Well, I mean, we had a blizzard here last night uh, or yesterday afternoon and um, my kids were out and I needed to run some errands, not deterred by the weather. I climbed into my EV um, and, you know, did errands for two and a half hours in the snow, in the freezing rain, blowing wind, very cold, no problem. Um, you know, it's, I, we're, I'm a one car family. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, EV or, or nothing. And yeah. I've never had a problem actually getting around in my EV in the winter. Um, and we have, you know, extreme temperatures here. We do. Not, not as extreme. 
Edmonton, but <laughs> no, I won't. But you know, it's it's all about preparation. I think when you have an electric vehicle, you'll kind of learn the tricks along the way, and you're watching your consumption, and you're you're always watching your battery percentage and how much you have. So if you know you're going to be making a lot of errands in the afternoon, charge up in the morning or charge up the night before. So you're just kind of thinking ahead a little bit, and that's yeah, yeah. Find I, I mean I. I used to really, you know, I was very freaked out when I first had my car about you know, the range, the range. And then, you know, it it took a couple of weeks of just driving around to realize that like, oh, I actually go nowhere. <laughs> my my daily commute, you know, even with running kids around, with doing errands, um, you know, the odd trip I'll have to take that's a bit longer to get to, um, you know, a press conference across the city it can all be managed again like coming coming from a place where i i do have access to a lot of public charging which is nice and charging at home which is um mm-hmm. i'm really lucky it's not something that um i find is a struggle i think that um actually probably the thing i forget to do the most is just put the car in the you know plug it in at the end of the night or at the yeah end not so it charges over and then i wake up in the morning and i'm like oh i forgot to do that um yeah but uh you know, it's it's not really much different than a gas car. Even you know, putting there's a there's a whole battery maintenance component with owning an EV. Where you know, when it gets to a cold temperature, it's better for the battery if you keep the car plugged in overnight. Just trickle charge it. Um, and I think that some people, when they hear that, can think, "Oh, that's so annoying." You know, I don't want to have to do that. And, and you know, that's an extra thing at the end of my day when I'm already busy. And the thing is, though, I mean, if you're fortunate enough to have a garage or a covered spot where you're going to put your car anyway, or even a driveway, you know, it, it's nothing to just plug it in at the end. Like, you know, you're finished for the day. No, it's, plug yeah. it in and, you know, it's, it's actually not that much of an onerous step. It's really not. You plug in your iPhone, you plug in your car. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> kind of the same. Yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah. The it's just that it's getting over that mental hurdle of um, you know, rejigging your life so that you don't go to the gas station. Um, which actually when you think about it, it saves you a tremendous amount of time in and of itself. I mean, if you're going to the gas station two or three times a week, it's what, a five minute you know, detour yeah. each time, those minutes exactly. would over the years start to add up and you're really just getting time back. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's very important. Um, so with with electric vehicles and with fleets and, you know, with supply chain, there comes probably a lot of job opportunities that are out there. There's going to be people who need to fix or even though there's not a lot of moving parts, but, you know, you know, it's probably a really great career path to take. It absolutely is. I, I just moderated a panel um, a couple of weeks ago talking about that exact issue. Um, and really, the the point we're at now is that if you are a uh, student looking to either choose your university program or, um, you know, you're, you're graduating from a trade, um, you're in a really good spot. We are in a, a talent vacuum right now where everybody is looking to just hoover in 
um, young, talented, skilled people who understand everything from, you know, how to install an EV charger, you know, on the electrician side, all the way through to quantum computing, where, you know, that technology is being used to test um, battery mineral compositions to hopefully make the next generation of batteries in Canada. It is definitely an employee's market in terms of finding a job in this industry. And it's it's not just with cars. You don't, this isn't just about working with vehicles. This includes, you know, utilities and engineering, um, you know, mining, even trade relations. It's, there's so many um, different avenues of employment that a transition to zero emission mobility touches that you could really go into just about anything and still be linked back to um, EVs somehow. That's cool. Yeah, I'm all for that. That'd be great. So, and then it's interesting, you know, with the popularity of of EVs, you know, in Q4 2022, you were saying Canada reached 10% uh, of new EV sales. So what do you think that tells us? It tells us that what we are doing is working. Um, slowly, steadily, we're seeing you know, these incremental steps and, and, you know, right now I would say like we're creeping by, by inches. It would be really nice if we could, you know, take a, a really big lunge forward. Um, but I'm sure that will, will come as, um, you know, supply chain issues are worked out. We're starting to see those improving, like the, the pressure that, um, OEMs were under on the supply chain is now finally starting to ease a bit and education initiatives are helping um, the general public, general consumers, and actually commercial consumers like fleet managers and operators um, to understand what their options are. Are we going to be like Norway in, <laughs> you know, the very near future? Doubt it, but you know, we will, we will chart our own path and I'm, confident that there are enough brains and, and people working on the various bottleneck challenges, whether it's, you know, charging infrastructure or uh, sorting out the issue of how to get charging available to people who live in um, multi-unit residential buildings or condos, um, you know, these these key pinch point areas. Our, our EV adoption curve will match how well we're working on those other problems. Oh, that's interesting. And, you know, bringing it back to, you know, electric autonomy, where do you look to uh, for um, for your stories or for your editorial side of it? I'm just curious, of what trends or patterns are you, are you noticing right now? You know, you, we mentioned fleet, you know, we mentioned green technology. So are there any other areas that you're finding, you know, you're, from your research? I think that the the recent geopolitical upheavals around the world and various countries that, you know, we've all relied on for a long time to supply us with um, goods have really put a, a red underline under this issue of wanting to be um, self-sufficient. So our supply chain um, is having a lot of work done on it right now for EVs, yes, 
but also a lot of other goods and services. So I think that that is a trend that, that I'm seeing that, you know, there's an enormous amount of time and energy and money being put into shoring up our supply chain and bringing as much of it back within, um, you know, our borders as we can. And then as well, drawing in um, countries that, you know, maybe didn't know or didn't see that Canada as a viable uh, place for them to do business, drawing them in to say, hey, look, you know, we have some extra space. It's finite. So, you you know, if you want to get in, get in now. But, uh, you know, we're, we're a great place to to set up um, your your piece of the puzzle, whatever it is. Right. Um, and in terms of other trends, I think that, and, you know, where we get our stories, a lot of it is very organic. It's, it's responding to queries that people send into us about, um, you know, struggles they're having with their EV or questions that they have about EVs in general, or, you know, lots of, lots of questions about, um, supply chain accountability. That's the other, you know, I think for a lot of people, we were talking about what motivates, you know, what, what the average customer is for an EV and everyone has their different motivations. But I, I think a lot of people choose an EV because they feel it's, um, the healthier choice for them, for the environment. There's a real, you know, um, environmental conscious attached to it. So they want to be sure that, you know, they actually are making a, a purchase that's going to support a healthier, greener world. Um, and those are great questions. You know, it's challenging for for us to track down the answers. I think for me, at least, I'm, I'm always smarter when someone has written in and, and asked a question and, you know, pushed back on something or just given a different, a different angle on, on the, the topic. And, you know, we're, we're one of those news platforms that likes to individually go through each comment and <laughs> respond as best we can. We really, we feel that our role in this is, um, you know, an educational resource. Yes, news is all about disseminating information and, you know, highlighting the actual raw news that's happening. There's a press conference or there was a, you know, ribbon cutting, but also, you know, we want to be a value-added educational resource for for um, Canadians. Well, that's all great. And I encourage anybody who's listening or watching or both uh, to uh, uh, subscribe to Electric Autonomy. Even if you're curious about EVs or you're doing your homework or research, uh, I think it's a really great resource. It certainly helped me, you know, when I was learning all about this world. So that's great. Keep continue the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Well, thanks for joining me. And, uh, you know, if anybody who's watching or listening, um, you know, please uh, send in your thoughts about today's podcast. We'll make sure that uh, that we're listening and we respond. And, and thanks for your time, Emma. I really appreciate you joining me today. Thank you for having me on and, and very pleased to talk about all of this with you. <laughs> That's a wrap. Thanks again to Emma for joining me today. This episode was sponsored by Smart Energy, Canada's clean technology event that's taking place in Halifax, Nova Scotia, this spring. Be sure to register. I'm Maria McGowan. Thanks so much for listening, and join me next time.